last time. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we are about, we are actually hearing the Rudra Gita. And Prabhupada translated it as the chanting the song sung by Lord Shiva. And we heard uh, the um, some years ago, it seems like, <laughs> uh, about um, the beginning of the Rudra Gita where Lord Shiva, uh, who's he speaking to? Yeah, the Prachetas, yes. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, I, I think it's kind of uh, kind of amazing, right? So the Prachetas are going to uh, perform austerities, right? So that they can uh, regenerate, you know, have, uh, you know, uh, be fruitful and multiply, and also help, with, uh, I think, with the ruling of the, uh, the world. And, you know, on the way, they just kind of run into Lord Shiva. And, and then on the way, he just starts telling this amazing song about, the, especially with the ones we're going to be reading out uh, today, about the Krishna's form and everything. And it's, just, it's, it's just amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm just kind of imagining in my mind's eye that they're just going there following their father's instructions. Who's their father? Prachinavari, yes, very good. Um, and then they, get, they hit the jackpot, so to speak. <laughs> you know, because it is the jackpot. The jackpot is getting the uh, association of Krishna's devotees. And what to speak of Lord Shiva? Oh, I think uh, we're on 24. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And we're on verse 43. Well, 42 actually, yeah. Okay, so we'll start with 42. We did 41. So we'll begin. My dear Lord, so this is just ending this section, which is about um, obeisances to the super soul and Krishna as the supreme uh, creator and controller. And then the next section, which starts in 44, is seeing and serving the Lord's glorious form. My dear Lord, you are the topmost of all bestowers of all benedictions. Did we say Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudeva? I thought we did. I'm, not, I'm, getting, I'm getting that old. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. My dear Lord, you are the topmost of all bestowers of all benedictions. Okay. He's, you're the oldest, the supreme enjoyer amongst all enjoyers. You are the master of all the world's metaphysical philosophy, for you are the supreme cause of all causes, Lord Krishna. You are the greatest of all religious principles, the supreme mind, and you have a brain which is never checked by any condition. Therefore, I repeatedly offer my obeisances unto you. And I'll just read this, uh, a comment on it a little later. Krishna knows everything, 
This is in the purport. But one cannot know Krishna without being favored by him. And then a little later it says, without being benedicted by Krishna, one cannot offer benedictions to anyone else. And then one other one-liner a little later, without possessing inconceivable mystic powers, one cannot be accepted as God. You know, any one of those little one-liners we could spend a whole hour on. <laughs> but I think that's, you know, part of the explanation, at least for someone who's already devotionally inclined, when someone says, well, how can Lord Varaha come out of the nostril of Lord Brahma, you know, and things like that. And uh, for one who has some faith, without possessing inconceivable mystic powers, one cannot be accepted as God. That, you know, Krishna literally can do whatever he wants. He, he's the only one who, who has that right. Right? Everyone else kind of like has a boss, right? You know, like in the government, you have a GS5, and they have a boss who's a GS7, and they have a GS9, and, they, and it goes all the way up to the secretary of that department and ultimately the president. You know, everyone has a boss. But, you know, when you finally go back to the one person who doesn't have a boss and who can just do whatever they want, then you found Krishna. Sarva Karna Karnam. Those. Oh, okay. Thank you. This is ch chapter four, a uh, canto four, text twenty-four, and this is verse forty-two. And now we'll go on to forty-three. My dear Lord, you are the supreme controller of the worker. Sense activities and results of sense activities, karma. Therefore, you are the controller of the body, mind, and senses. You are also the supreme controller of egotism, known as rudra. You are the source of knowledge and the activities of the Vedic injunctions. So in the first sentence, it says, everyone acts under the dictation of the ego. Therefore, Lord Shiva is trying to purify false egotism through the mercy of the supreme personality of Godhead. So that's, right, so we all have conceptions of who we think we are, right? And it's so easy, you know, we, could, we probably have been, some of us have been in classes for decades hearing about how we're, you know, sarvo padi vinyamuktam, we're not these upadis, we're not these designations. Real ego is to serve Krishna. Um, and generally how that, that, it's a gradual process but here it's, he gives the actually the main ingredient, right? And that is that Lord Shiva is trying to purify false egotism through the mercy of the Supreme Personality of God. So ultimately, it's when Krishna blesses us, then we get these deeper and deeper realizations and come to understand our real position as Krishna's servant. Now we have to make our endeavor, right? This is the month of Dhaminar and the, the, the rope was always two, two uh, inches too short, you know, and the two are our endeavor and Krishna's mercy. So we have to make our endeavor. We have to overcome manda sumanda matayo manda bhagyu hupadrutaha that, that we're lazy, unfortunate, easily misguided, 
and our minds are always disturbed or often disturbed, right? So that's, that's our job. Um, and ultimately, it's up to Krishna's sweet will. But Krishna wants to help us. He wants to help us. So it's not like, you know, uh, Krishna's sitting there saying, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to make sure that they chant at least, you know, 40 years, then maybe I'll give them a little mercy. No. Krishna wants to uh, help us, um, but it is his sweet will. And I remember when I, I think we've, we talked about this before, when I first heard that, it was in, uh, I think it's the sixth chapter of the Bhagavatam, first canto, where Prabhupada talks about freedom. And he says that ultimately Krishna has his free will to bless us or not bless us as he likes, but, we, but he wants to. He's just like we were singing, uh, what were we singing? Um, Shri Radha Balava Vrindavana Natabara. Uh, no, there's Kripa Moyas in there somewhere, isn't it? Uh, Jamuna Tatachara. Kripa Moya. Right, so what does Kripa Moya mean? What does Kripa mean? Mercy. And Moya means full. Completely full of mercy. Um, so, it's, um, it's not exactly that our sadhana, our sadhana calls Krishna's mercy, right? But it's not just like, dealing with Krishna is not just like E equals MC squared, you know, or, or A squared plus B squared equals C squared, right? It's just, it works every time like that. But we're dealing with a person. I, I remember Satchinandan Swami said that he, his greatest realization, one of the greatest realizations he had when he finally came to realize that the supreme is not an it, it's a he. He's a he. So you're dealing with the person that you have a relationship with. And so here, Lord Shiva is trying to purify false egotism through the mercy of the supreme person, not just by his hard work, not just by his sadhana, although we should have really good sadhana, we have, should have paka sadhana, but it's, this, it's not just that by our sadhana alone, it works. Just like with Narada Muni, right? When he, he, um, he went to that secluded place, he meditated, he chanted, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudhyayam. The Lord appeared to him. Then he disappeared. So he said, well, it worked once. It should work again. <laughs> so he tried it again. And Krishna didn't appear to him, but in a voice. He said, well, look, that's not how, it's not how this works. Right? So... Our sadhana, in one sense, is there to ultimately to call Krishna's mercy, and it's Krishna's mercy that gives us deep realizations, that helps us understand perhaps one of the greatest realizations, or maybe the greatest realization for us, and, and what we would be hoping for is abhinatvam namanamino, that Krishna's name and Krishna are the same. And Prabhupada goes on, but in, this actual, in its actual position, the spirit soul has devotional activities to perform. Therefore, Lord Shiva prays to be engaged both in mind and in action in the devotional service of the Supreme Lord according to the direction of the Vedas. That, this is the process of purifying false egotism. So any thoughts on that, those points? Yes, Andy, you got a microphone?
There you go. Yeah, I was just wondering about Lord Shiva's role. He is supporting, you could say, he's supporting egotism for everybody. He's egotism. supporting it. Yeah. I mean, he's like the characterization of it. But right. does he really have it himself, or is he just doing it as a task, uh, a godly task to, to show how to escape egotism? He couldn't have all that egotism. No, he, you know, because we also say <laughs> Vaishnavanam Yata Shambhu, right? Shambhu is a name for Lord Shiva. Yeah. Uh, and that he's the greatest Vaishnava. And a great Vaishnava is free from, is fixed in real egoism rather than false egoism. But still, he is, by this prayers, he's actually showing us how to approach the Lord. Did you get Henry's text, Davy? Wonderful. Now, the only reason I ask is I have a special uh, gift, especially for those who braved the weather today to uh, come to class. We have Mahaprasadam from Balaji. Balaji? Yes, the deity in uh, Tirupati. Here it is. <laughs> so if you've been good boys and girls, you'll get some at the end. <laughs> so yes, so yes, but but he's, but Lord Shiva is showing us how to approach the Lord, and this becomes quite evident at the very very end of this chapter, where it talks about the benedictions one gets by chanting this these prayers, this Rudra Gita. Yeah. How purifying it is. Well, that's also very merciful on Shiva's very part. Well. Very merciful. Yes. Because he's just taking on that task. He had to take on a lot of him. thankless he, tasks. Yeah yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Very merciful. Okay, shall we carry on? 44. My dear Lord, I wish to see you. Now, now this is the next section of the prayers. Glorifying the Lord's form and personality. Uh, I wish to see you exactly in the form that your very dear devotees worship. Which form would that be? Any guesses? Well, Krishna, specifically as opposed to Vaikuntha or very dear would be the gopis, the coward boys, Vrindavan. You have many other forms, but I wish to see your form that is especially liked by the devotees. Please be merciful unto me and show me that form. For only that form... Worship by the devotees can perfectly satisfy all the demands of the senses. And Srila Prabhupada writes a little down in the first paragraph. These material senses, however, cannot be engaged in the service of the Lord. Therefore, one has to become freed from all designations. One has to become freed from all designations or false egotism and thus become purified. When we engage our senses in the service of the Lord... The desires or the inclinations of the senses can be perfectly fulfilled. Yeah, so that's... Um, so we're actually, at least when we start doing service, chanting Krishna's name, reading the Bhagavatam, cleaning the temple, whatever, um, we're starting to purify our senses that have been impure for, since time immemorial, always looking to gratify for our own enjoyment and we're starting to offer them as service and they're becoming and therefore we're becoming freed from our material designations and gradually becoming fixed as Krishna's servant. Then Prabhupada writes that the impersonalists and the voidists also have to see the form of the absolute. In Buddhist temples there are forms of Lord Buddha in meditation. But these are not worshipped like the forms of the Lord in the Vaishnava temples. Right? Anyone been to Buddhist temples? 
Yeah, he must have. No? Yes? Yeah. But do they have like six, six artiques a day and dress Buddha, right? They don't do that. At least the ones that I've been to. I've been to this beautiful um, Buddha made out of, um, what's that um, green? Jade. jade, yes, right. Made out of jade in, uh, I think it was in Shanghai. Just beautiful. And there's also one with big, big belly, and you're supposed to like touch his belly. You know, he's laughing all the time, and you're supposed to get benedictions. Yeah. Uh, but Prabhupada's making the point here that, although that's nice, it's a form of. Well, we don't have we don't have Dasavatars, but the form of Lord Buddha. But it's not the same as the way like we worship Radha and Krishna as a person with you know six archeeks a day and six offerings a day and all that. Uh, the Gani, a little later, the Ganis, Yogis, and Karmis are not particularly dear. For the Karmis simply want to see the Supreme Personality of God as their order supplier. So just uh, don't, take, don't do this for too long, <laughs> but imagine yourself as Krishna. Okay? And someone is just constantly coming to you wanting stuff from you. Okay? Someone's, or just imagine you're yourself. And someone's just coming, you know, okay, can I borrow your sugar? Can I rent your, can I borrow your car? Can I, can you give me this? Can you give me that? Give me, give me, give me, right? So that's, so that person, yeah, okay, there's a relationship, right? But it's not such a high relationship. Okay, so then the Ganis want to see him to become one with him. Okay, so they want, so they want, you know, they want uh, everything you have, I guess in one sense you could say. And the yogis want to see him partially represented within the heart as Paramatma. But the bhaktas or the devotees want to see him in his complete perfection. And how do they want to see him? Through service. How can I please? So you can see how, why it's not just that Krishna you know, has these different categories, karmis, ganis, yogis, and devotees. And you know, because we say so, he really likes the devotees the most. Right? It's just really natural when you think of all these different categories and how they approach Krishna. And of course, you know, there can be a Mishra. You can have Jnana Mishra Bhakti. You can have Karma Mishra Bhakti. Yoga Mishra Bhakti. There can be mixtures of these. But the devotee, as Prabhupada writes, Venum Kanvantam Aravinda Dalaya Taksham, that um, they want to see Krishna like this. I worship Govinda, the primeval Lord, who is adept at playing on his flute, whose eyes are blooming like lotus petals, whose head is bedecked with the peacock feathers, whose beauty is tinged with the hue of blue clouds, and whose unique loveliness charms millions of cupids. So that's... Uh, so if we think of that, it's... Krishna reciprocates with everyone. Yeyatamam prapadyante. And so he's reciprocating here um, with the devotees the most, not just because we're devotees. <laughs> you know, not because, hey, we're devotees, therefore, they, you know, but it's just natural. Hmm? Some thoughts on this? Jiva Tapu? Hare Krishna. Yes, Prabhu. So, one of the great, means in the purpose, Srila Prabhupada's writing, means even the Kermis, Ganis, and you, uh, you know, impersonalist and even voidist, they are coming to Krishna 
Yet at the same time, Krishna himself says, Akama Sarva Kama Vam, Moksha Kama Udharadhi, Tivrena Bhakti Yogena Yajate Purishamparam. So there is hope for them if they come to Krishna. Yes, yes. <laughs> so that's the sense, like, you know, that, yes, whatever you desire, come to Krishna, slowly and slowly you'll be purified and come to the highest stage. And Lord Shiva is setting an example as the topmost Vaishnava that he wants to see, you know, the real, uh, you know, essence of bhakti, which is like the prema rupa himself, right? right? So Krishna in his uh, Vedun Kanantan, so in that form he wants to see because that's, he's constantly engaged in his ras, right? He's constantly engaged in his loving exchanges. So yes. that's the topmost level, yes. Hare Krishna. And, uh, and so for us, we, we kind of like can latch on to that, uh, that verse that Shiva was uh, quoting, Akama, if one has no material desires, Sarva Kama, one has all kinds of material desires, Moksha Karma, one has um, uh, maybe desires for liberation, that they should approach Krishna. And that's kind of our hope. Our hope is, um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, One, one way a, a, to, that a devotee sees things is just that, or at least I think we, we can see things, is that Krishna's my only hope. That's it. So, okay, I may stumble a hundred times and my mind may go all over the place when I'm chanting and I, this and this and this and this and, you know, all kinds of things and I didn't react very well when, you know, I stubbed my toe the other day and all kinds of stuff. But, it, but if we just had that thing that Krishna, I'm not going anywhere. I'm your servant, and you are my only hope. And I'm really praying for you to give me your mercy. You know, that that's uh, the mindset of a devotee, especially when he hears a verse like that. And one of the things is like we as devotees also have to continue to make endeavor, right? Yeah, the we two have to. Finger, yeah, yeah. That, that is the endeavor <laughs> in one sense, to have yes. that uh, begging for shelter and service. Right. We should not use it like, you know, sweeping, you know, wiping of feet, dirty feet and all that. It should not be like that <laughs> yeah. attitude. It should be like, how can I make advancement? How can I improve myself and keep up the good behavior? Exactly. And okay. I was thinking about this, uh, you know, I was reading how um, the devotee just wants shelter and service. And, and I was thinking of like uh, some people I know at work and things like that. That would be the last thing they would be kind of like asking for sometimes, you know. Because um, we can really be quite proud of our intelligence or our, you know, our financial stability or whatever. Um, and that idea of really begging for shelter and begging for service, like, whoa, that's not my cup of chai. And I, th and I think that, I, I often think that's also not my cup of chai. <laughs> But sometimes when I associate with devotees who are in that mood, then you see that that's actually, uh, just like uh, I was just hearing today that um, a devotee, you know, we've, we've probably all read this 50 times, right? That a devotee is fearless. Right? It doesn't fear even death. Um, but you get a glimpse of it when you're really trying to take shelter of Christian and just realize that, okay, whatever happens doesn't really matter that much as long as I have Krishna's shelter. Because all kinds of bad stuff, air quotes, bad stuff is going to happen. We're all going to get sick. We're all going to get uh, old age and probably invalids at some point in our life and all kinds of things. But if we actually have Krishna's shelter, then, then really 
the devotee, a, 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 an advanced devotee, just doesn't care. <laughs> it's pretty wild. I was reading uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 22 of the Gita. Ananyas chintayantamam yejana paryupasate tesham nitya vijuktanam yoga maham To those who are constantly devoted and wish I give them, uh, no, that's the wrong verse. Um, I preserve what they have, I carry what they lack. And so Krishna says that, listen, you just worry about devotion, I'll take, I'll care, I'll take care of everything else. And then the, the, the doubt comes up that why would, why would a devotee want to have that, um, give Krishna that kind of burden to, to carry what we lack, right? And Krishna says, uh, in reply to that, this is Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur saying, that Krishna says, look, I create millions of universes without any sweat. It's no problem maintaining my devotees. <laughs> so I thought that was nice. Okay, so we go on to 45 and 46. So listen to this, how beautiful this is. The Lord's beauty resembles a dark cloud during the rainy season. As the rainfall glistens, his bodily features also glisten. He is the sum total of all beauty. So just imagine trying to understand that, that Krishna is the sum total of all beauty. Hmm? Just like I was in Tirupati recently. It's actually beautiful. I looked right out of the window where, where the room I was staying in and you see the, the uh, Tiramala Hills, right? And there's one rock formation that looks just like Garuda and you see the, uh, the, the temple on the top of the hill. It's beautiful. There's, water, there's two waterfalls, right, where you, you see. Um, and there's so many other, you know, so much natural beauty in this world. And here it says, Krishna is the sum total of all beauty. The Lord has four arms and an exquisitely beautiful face with eyes like lotus petals, a beautiful highly raised nose, a mind-attracting smile, a beautiful forehead, and equally beautiful and fully decorated ears. So Prabhupada says some interesting things here in the purport that I think most of us are aware of, but it's good to know. He says, generally the worship of the Lord begins with the worship of Narayan or Vishnu, whereas the, vers- the worship of Lord Krishna and Radha is most confidential. Lord Narayan is worshipable by the Pancharachaki Vidhi, or regulated principles, whereas Lord Krishna is worshipable by the Bhagavata Vidhi, no one can worship the Lord in the Bhagavad Vidhi without going through the regulations of the Pancharatriki Vidhi. So we worship, Prabhupada would sometimes say that we are worshiping Radha and Krishna, but in the mood of Lakshmi Narayan. Because we have, it's very Pancharatriki, it means very strict rules, right? You know, Prabhupada would say, the two most, what are the two most important things of deity worship? Cleanliness and punctuality, right? So that's very Vidhi, right? You have to be on time, and it has to be paka, spotlessly clean. Right, and then so it's not that we're doing like Sanatana Goswami when Krishna, you know, he offers Krishna chapati and Krishna says, "Well, could I have some salt?" And Lord, you know, Sanatana goes, "Well, no, I'm sorry, you know, if I next thing you're going to want something, you're going to want sabji and all this, I'm just be happy with it, right? You know, we don't we don't do that with uh, Radha Madhavan and Sita Ram Lakshman Hanuman and Shishi Gornitai, because that's that's the raga that's the raga raga mark." Mm-hmm. So, um, and then he, so then he goes on to the next paragraph. The inhabitants of Vrindavan, the gopis, Mother Jashoda, Nanda Maharaj, the cowherd boys, 
the cows and everyone else are actually on the Rag Marg or Bhagavat Marg platform. They participate in five basic rasas, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalyas, Madhurya, and Shanta. But although these five rasas are found in the Bhagavata Marg, the Bhagavata Marg is especially meant for Vatsalya and Madhurya, or parental and conjugal relationships. Yet there is the Vishrambha, Vishrambha uh, sak- Sakya, the higher fraternal worship of the Lord, especially enjoyed by the cowherd boys. Although there is friendship between Krishna and the cowherd boys, this friendship is different from the Aishwarya friendship between Krishna and Arjuna. So is that clear so far? You know, so that's just the, it's just that we, we, we can take Radha and Krishna kind of for granted. It's a very, very high, it's the highest. It's the highest understanding of, the, of God that can be. And therefore, you know, we, uh, and, and therefore Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, he, he was very careful. He would only go to Radha Kund and put three drops on his head and not even bathe in Radha Kund just out of respect like that. Um, at the same time, we, 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 we hear about Krishna's pastimes of the gopis and, and here we're doing this, right? We're studying all nine cantos before we get to the 10th canto so that by the time you get to the 10th canto, you don't think this boy who's eating uh, makkan with his left hand and stuff is, you know, anyone other than the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Mm. On the other hand, Prabhupada said it's not that we are boycotting the gopis. <laughs> and someone said, no, we don't want to hear about Radha and Krishna, we shouldn't hear it. No, Prabhupada said we're not boycotting the gopis. So, um, and I, I know we brought this up before, but I think it's such an important point that Prabhupada gave us Rag Marg in such a simple and sane way. First of all, the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Hare is Radharani. And Krishna and Ram are Krishna. And then, you know, we sing Nikunja Yungno Ratikele Siddhi, very exalted. And, we, and, the, and our prayer to Tulsi is totally Raganuga. And then of all the songs that Prabhupada decided to sing before Bhagavatam class, Jai Radha Madhava, Kunja Bihari. It's all about Vrindavan. So he gave us that in such a nice, simple, sane way. Because the challenge is in the next per, uh, paragraph, without serving Krishna according to the vidhi marga of regulated principles of the pancharaktriki vidhi, unscrupulous persons want to jump immediately to the ragmarg principles. Such persons are called? Sahajiyas. Yes, so... Um, Sajiyas get some benefit because they're talking about Krishna and this and that, but it, it's also, in this purport, Prabhupada didn't speak highly of them at all. Um, other places he said, well, at least they get, they're talking about Krishna, but we, uh, he, Prabhupada's given us the science of bhakti yoga and, and it's the same path to get to the highest. And finally, uh, towards the end, the word sarva saundarya indicates that there are different types of beauties in the material and spiritual worlds and that the Lord contains all of them. Both materialists and spiritualists can enjoy the beauty of the Lord. Because the Supreme Lord attracts everyone, including demons and devotees, materialists and spiritualists, he is called Krishna. Right? So we often say, what does Krishna mean? It means all attractive. So he can attract anyone. So some thoughts on this wonderful verse? There are two verses. Okay. 
Yes, microphone's right here. Prabhu, you were explaining about Ar Arjuna and Krishna's relation with Aheshwarya. Uh, right, Arjuna is, is a, 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 a more reverential uh, mood than um, Subal Saka. Yeah. So, um, I was reading, uh, chanting in the mood of service from Living Names. Uh huh. Living Name by Sachinandan Maharaj. I'm also reading that right now. He uh, really touched my heart. Like he was saying in that, in not unlike Vaikuntha, in Goloka, it is the the servitude, like the attitude of service, is completely manifest. Uh -huh. With uh, no like, so he, he says in Vaikuntha because of the and reverence factor, there is kind of little bit restriction there. Mm. But in uh, Goloka, it's like you, you are fully into it, full service like. Yeah. Krishna is my hand. So it just reminds me such a comment. Yeah, they're totally absorbed in Krishna. I mean, like, by Quinto also, of course, yes. but in, in this very intimate way. Yeah, that's, that's what... <laughs> that's our challenge. Not, not that we can do it artificially, but to gradually come to the point of being, like, just totally absorbed in Krishna. <laughs> 24 hours a day. Yes, Shiva. Hare Krishna. So, the five rasas that Krishna is experiencing in Vrindavan, means service is definitely there all, ac uh, all around. Yet at the same time, what's amazing is that Krishna is giving everyone an almost equal or higher position. So, again, like parents, right? Yeah. The other cowherd men and women, they are caring like in Vatsalya Ras, right? And they're serving Krishna with that mood. The gopis, the uh, gopakumaras, vipralimbaras. And they're again within gopas, uh, gop, uh, gopas, they are like different levels. The younger ones, same age and older ones. And they are all serving. But Krishna is taking such a simple because he's constantly just engaged in that loving exchange. Mm. I think that's the focus. Means the whole environment... You can't even conceive how loving environment and how joyful and blissful it is all the time. We, when we read Tamadarashtikam, we feel like how sweet. Iti Driksvali Labhiran Nandukunde. Constantly immersed in that bliss. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, I remember that one lecture by Srila Prabhupada where he said, the impersonalists want to become God, but the devotee wants to become more than God. <laughs> by, you know, through love, the mother you showed is chastising. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Like you're saying, the Dhamadarashtakam, you know, where, you know, that Krishna's like all fearful. You know, he's creating planets and, you know, you know things, and then he's all fearful of mother, his mother Yashoda. You want to say something? Yeah. Uh, probably, like, you also spoke about shelter, so this thought came into my mind, correlating these two, like what Jivdhat Prabhu is saying. Like there, in Goloka, the mood is like, I need to care for Krishna. But that person comes by taking complete shelter before. Yeah. His man standing correct. Fruit. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. So we'll hear a little bit more about Krishna. The Lord is super excellently beautiful on account of his open and merciful smile and his sidelong glance upon his devotees. 
His black hair is curly and his garments, waving in the wind, appear like flying saffron pollen from lotus flowers. His glistening, no, his glittering earrings, a shining helmet, bangles, garland, ankle bells, waist belt, and various other bodily ornaments combine with conch shell, disc, club, and lotus flower to increase the natural beauty of the koshtuba pearl on his chest. The Lord has shoulders just like a lion's. Upon these shoulders are garlands, necklaces, and what is that? Eat powlets? You know what that is? Like a, okay. And all these are also glittering. Besides these, there is the beauty of the Koshtuba Mani pearl. And on the dark chest of the Lord, there are streaks named Srivatsa, which are signs of the goddess of fortune. The glittering of these streaks excels the beauty of the golden streaks on a gold-testing stone. Indeed, such beauty defeats a gold-testing stone. The Lord's abdomen is beautiful due to three ripples. So imagine these prachetas, they're really getting more than their money's worth. They just thought they were going to do some austerities in their hearing all of this. The Lord's abdomen is beautiful due to three ripples in the flesh. Being so round, his abdomen resembles the leaf of a banyan tree. And when he exhales and inhales, the movement of the ripples appears very, very beautiful. The coils within the navel of the Lord are so deep that it appears that the entire universe sprouted out of it and yet again wishes to go back. The lower part of the Lord's waist is dark and covered with yellow garments and a belt bedecked with golden embroidery work. His symmetrical lotus feet and the calves, calves, thighs, and joints of his legs are extraordinarily beautiful. Indeed, the Lord's entire body appears to be well built. My dear Lord, your two lotus feet are so beautiful that they appear like two blossoming petals of the lotus flower which grows during the autumn season. Indeed, the nails of your lotus feet emanate such a great effulgence that they immediately dissipate all the darkness in the heart of a conditioned soul. My dear Lord, kindly show me that form of yours which always dissipates all kinds of darkness in the heart of a devotee. My Lord, my dear Lord, you are the supreme spiritual master of everyone. Therefore, all conditioned souls covered with the darkness of ignorance can be enlightened by you as the spiritual master. And Prabhupada writes, I like this one sentence. When one sees the lotus feet of the Lord, all kinds of doubts and fears within the heart are vanquished. So, you go look at the lotus feet of the Lord right now. They're showing and uh, hopefully all fears and doubts are vanquished. And now text 53. My dear Lord, those who desire to purify their existence must always engage in meditation upon your lotus feet, as described above. Those who are serious about executing their occupational duties and who want freedom from fear must take to this process of bhakti yoga. Prabhupada writes that the word meditation, he puts it in quotes, is very popular in this age amongst the common people, but they do, know the, do not know the actual meaning of meditation. However, from Vedic literature, we learn that the yogis are always absorbed in meditation upon the lotus feet of the Lord. Dhyanavastita tadgatena manasa pasyanti yam yoginam. So this, this is how true, uh, Prabhupada wrote this many years ago, but it's also true today. It's very, very big 
um, popular in the world today is, is meditation and uh, mindfulness, right, is a very, very, very big thing. Um, and uh, speakers get, you know, have lots of followers and um, et cetera. It's, it's, it's just Google mi mindfulness and just, right. Um, but it's our duty to try to help people understand that the, that the true uh, or the topmost part of such mindfulness meditation is to be meditating on Krishna. And here it says the lotus feet of the Lord. So that's the perfection of, uh, so mindfulness basically, you know, is don't forget, just um, focus on the present, that's all we have. Don't worry about the future, don't lament about the past, which is what often the mind does, right? Krishna says that in the Gita. And so it should be very present. So they talk a lot about focusing on breathing, right? Because I think we talked about this before, right? Because when you're focusing on your breathing, you can't be thinking about your past breath or your future breath. You only have the one that you're actually doing right now. So it really helps that aspect of mindfulness. And there's all kinds of studies that have been done about the benefits physiologically of, uh, of mindfulness and uh, even the, what do they call it, neuroplasticity. Uh, that it can, you know, change the way we think. Um, but if we could, if people could just learn to add the lotus feet of Krishna to that, then uh, then their meditation actually has benefits far beyond what our mind is, you know, uh, peaceful or even our physically we're feeling a little healthy, um, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, and it's even kind of coming a little close, inching towards Brahman realization when people experience that, that's some of the pleasure that they experience. But, you know, it, what do we compare the pleasure of um, Krishna consciousness to the pleasure of impersonalism? What's the, what's the uh, metaphor? What? The metaphor that we use to compare the pleasure of bhakti yoga to the pleasure of impersonal meditation. What's the metaphor? What? No? Well, that wasn't what I was thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem when you just walk into class and they'll follow it. Okay, that's the, the, the which one in the dark? The spots in the dark. The spots in the dark? You see stars or you see Oh, stars versus the sun, okay. Andy, next. Um, no, that's more like uh, Lord Shiva and Krishna. Yes, yeah, but that's impersonalism. Yeah, so the the water in the calf's foot, the water that's contained, like a calf walks, and the water that's in that compared to an ocean. Right. Thank you. Oh, yeah, okay, yes, a person is drowning and then... Very good. So, um, so then, the word swadharma indicates that the system of varnashram, this is an important one for us as devotees, because Prabhupada talked a lot about varnashram, right? Which indicates the occupational duties of Brahmana, Chatriya, Vaishya, and Sudras. 
and which is the perfect institution for humanity, must be supported by bhakti yoga if one wants security in life. And then he goes on to say that generally people think just by following Varnashram, that's enough. But factually, unless all these occupational duties are accompanied by bhakti yoga, one cannot become fearless. Right? So that's the point that we become, uh, um, that the real, so real meditation is on the person of Krishna. Some thoughts on this? Yes? Who needs it? Who is? Henry, you're going to say that? No, I, no, no. Oh, Ma Mantra, you're going to say that? No. Nandamuki, you're going to say something? No. All right. All right. Okay, so text 54. My dear Lord, the king in charge of the heavenly kingdom is also desirous of obtaining the ultimate goal of life, devotional service. Similarly, you are the ultimate destination of those who identify themselves with you, aham brahmasma. However, it is very difficult for them to attain you, whereas a devotee can very easily attain your lordship. My dear Lord, pure devotional service is even difficult for liberated persons to discharge, but devotional service alone can satisfy you. Who will take to other processes of self-realization if he is actually serious about the perfection of life? So, by the way, this, we, this is a new section about the process of bhakti yoga and attaining which is attained by association with devotees. Simply by expansion of his eyebrows, incon, invincible time personified can immediately vanquish the entire universe. However, formidable time does not approach the devotee who has taken shelter at your lotus feet. So I was thinking about this, that you know, the time factor is just so nonstop. <laughs> I, I, was, I don't know how I came to think about this, but, uh, um, and so I don't know how many of us in this room, maybe Andy and Henry or a few others, I'm not sure, can relate to this, but... Uh, you know, everyone gets older, right? And, and I was thinking of old-timers day. So in, in, in baseball, I don't know if they still have it, when I was growing up, they had what they called old-timers day. And it was a time like, usually there was a, uh, a doubleheader, and in between the doubleheaders, two games, right? And in between, they would have the, the old, like these famous players from bygone days, some in, their, some in their 40s, but mainly 50s, 60s, and even 70s, and I can remember like Casey Stengel, if this means, you know, the guy was 80 years old at the time, and Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio and all these people coming out, you know. They were so agile, um, you know, um, in their day. And then they're, you know, in their 60s and 70s, and they're trying to hit the ball, you know. And it's just the uh, inevitable time factor, right? And, uh, but, we, but, but it's so interesting that it's just like... Uh, you know, you just steer. Like, we know, how many people think like the Nationals are in the World Series right now, right? So, how many people are thinking, oh, those guys right now, 20 years from now, they're going to be in the Old Timers Day game, right? Nobody, nobody's thinking like that, probably, right? But, you know, I remember when I was in, living in India, what was his name? Sachin Tendakar, was that? Yeah, he was the. Now I'm sure he's retired by now, right? He's not playing, is he? Yeah, right. But he was like, 
he came to uh, the, te- the, the Guru Kul and yeah. But anyway, you know, uh, so, and, and those people who are beauties today won't be beauties 50, you know, the time factor just crushes everything. Everything. It's, it's just the um, all-powerful aspect of the Lord. It says, simply by expansion of his eyebrows, inconvinc- invincible time personified can immediately vanquish the entire universe. However, formidable time does not approach the devotee who has taken complete shelter under his lotus feet. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get old or that we don't leave this world, but, but our whole attitude towards it is totally different. Ultimately, for a devotee, it's like uh, thunder and lightning, right, in the Dhruva Maharaj pastime, right? Which comes first, thunder or lightning? Lightning, very good. So lightning comes, and then the thunder comes, and it's said that for a devotee, leave this world and enter the spiritual world just um, and so uh, another thing that I was picking up on this uh, chapter 9 verse 22 in the Gita is that a devotee doesn't it's not really our focus about whether I'm going back to Godhead or not our focus is on really seeking shelter and devotion and we leave the going back to Godhead to Krishna that, Krishna that's your problem and if you take me back, if you don't, you know, that's, you know, that's up to you. That's not my focus. My focus is uh, shelter, service, bhakti, things like that. Right? And the, going back to God, that's a, you know, the, uh, the, the devotee leaves that up to Krishna. He leaves that up to Krishna. Some thoughts on this? Jiva? Uh, so, Krishna is very merciful. So, as we make our endeavor, He bestows His mercy. Now, sometimes we do get devotion service, but then we have the tendency to say, Oh, give Him the devotion service, give her the devotion service. I'm busy right now chanting my rounds. So, again, no, we have to be very service. sincere that yeah. you know, an opportunity is there. We, and we have the capabilities, so we should take it on. Yeah, well, you know, if it's said that one of the signs of getting Krishna's mercy is when you get service. Yes. Right? Another sign of Krishna's mercy is when you get association. Right. And yeah, that's just last sentence. It's like the focus is only I can do it should not be. It's, it doesn't exist. On that only I can do it is not in devotee's dictionary. It's, again, it's not in his vocabulary. They're like, I have this capability, I will deliver the service, but, you know, if I don't get the opportunity, you know, it's yeah. suitable. I'll get the appropriate opportunity nevertheless in time being. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and it's really a challenge to focus that whatever capabilities we have are given to us. Parusham Nishu, right? Krishna says it on the ability in man. Um, and it's such a lesson that uh, in the chapter, the Pandavas retire timely, that Arjuna, <laughs> you just can't imagine who Arjuna is, right? I mean, just like the most amazing warrior of all times. And then at the end, and then at, just before he was decided to leave this world, he couldn't, he couldn't stop like some, you know, some cowherd guys. <laughs> you know, he could take on like, 
thousands of warriors at once, and then some, you know, some village guys tried to, and he was defeated. And Krishna, and Prabhupada mentions that because that ability of his wasn't needed to go back to Godhead. And so we may have abilities, we may be, uh, be able to get thousands of people to chant Hare Krishna, like Maha Mantra Prabhu can, or, or we have, you know, all of us have different God-given abilities, but it's really a, uh, a, almost like a sadhana to remember that these are given to us, they're gifts. Well, like we even say, so-and-so is gifted, right? Isn't that a word that we say? Oh yeah, they're gifted. Well, who gave them the gift? Right? And that gift is, is temporary, right? You know, um, uh, yeah, you know, you see people who are so sharp, so brilliant, and then dementia starts taking them and, and they can't, you know. Um, so they're, they're uh, probably called bor- uh, or Christian, borrowed plumes, right? Um, so we, we, whatever gifts we are given, we use those as a devotional offering. And if those gifts are no longer, then we still have our devotional offering, even if we don't have the gifts anymore. So it's quite a meditation, because we're all, everyone has God-given abilities. And so we should, so we should use them in Krishna's service, but know that they're not the, um, the ultimate thing is the, uh, not the service, but the service attitude. Yes, Grudas. Well, you need a microphone or else we won't be able to immortalize your words for the next 10,000 years. Then I'm not speaking. You've got to hold it also. Not Hare just hold, Krishna. Yeah, that's right, hold it. Yeah. Seems that some pray to the Lord to keep those abilities, uh, make them permanent. Yeah, but what is permanent in this world? Right? Nothing is uh, permanent. But the one thing that is permanent, nehabi kramana soisti pratyavayo navidyate, svapam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bayam. That what is permanent is whatever uh, devotional progress we make. That goes into our eternal bank account. So that's the one thing. But if you think about it, it's, it's a scary proposal, really. It, we don't even really want to think about it, right? That everything in this world is temporary. It's temporary. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Some people, uh, no, I won't mention that. But uh, you get a little glimpse of it sometimes as a uh, career employee in the federal government. Because one administration comes and another administration comes. And if you don't like that administration, you say, oh, it's, a, it's four years, eight years at the max, another one will come. You, know, you just, just wait it out, right, so to speak. That's kind of the government. But that's still temporary. <laughs> but really, you know, everything in this world is uh, separate. Just like, you know, you have a, a newborn baby, right? So Prabhupada writes, right, that the the would-be child of that newborn child will also die one day. Right? So even though, of course, you have to you love your child or your grandchild and all that, but still the... Uh, so, but the, the point here is not to get bummed out <laughs> by this, but, by, but actually 
when we, when, when we really try to focus our mind on Krishna, and when we're chanting, and when we're seeing the deities, and when we're hearing the Bhagavatam, you get a glimpse, at least, uh, of that fearlessness, where you actually start thinking, the material world could exist or not exist, I, I'm chanting Krishna's name, and that's all that matters, <laughs> you know? And you get a little glimpse of eternity, so to speak. I think when you, I think we've all had that experience when you really try to absorb your consciousness in um, in hearing about Krishna or chanting his names or serving his devotees. That you get a glimpse because the devotional service is eternal. Or as Prabhupada writes, um, devotional service in the kingdom of God are non-different. Does that answer your question, Gurudasji? Or your point? Yes, but microphone. There's another one here. There's a blue one here. Here you go. It matches your uh, shirt. Um, so I've found, like, personally, I, have, I think I have love for God and love for Krishna, but I'm also attracted to other things. Okay. Is that bad, or what is... Well, it might depend on the other things. I'm not going to ask you to... Like sports, uh, different music, different sports, like other activities. Like um, not just it, Krishna. It's, it's a good question. And it kind of reminds me of uh, the little joke that we say sometimes that uh, different shlokes for different folks. Right? Uh and in the twelfth uh, chapter, right, of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about different levels, right? He talks about uh, how just think of me always. Is that right? Twelfth chapter, yeah. Just always think of me, and just love me. And then, if you can't do that, then do sadhana. You know, take initiation, follow the four regular principles, chant six. You know. If you can't do that, then you know, do this. If you can't do that, then do this. Okay. So there's different. So it just means that you may not be, and I'm certainly not either, on the level of a paramahamsa yet, right? Just a fully dedicated, self-realized soul. That's okay. What else is new, right? <laughs> right. So um, the, the real challenge in our life is to become more attracted to Krishna. Because then naturally these other things... Um, they fall into place in our life in, in more naturally, right? So you can say, okay, I'm not going to watch this, the World Series. It's all Maya. And, you know, who, okay. well, maybe the Redskins will set the record for the worst football team in the history of whatever, right? or whatever, right, that's going on. But really, other things become kind of pale in comparison when we really, uh, as we're developing our attraction to Krishna. It becomes a natural thing. See, in, in a lot of spiritual practices, so uh, this is a good example, because this is Mahaprasadam from Balaji. <laughs> uh, it's, in a lot of spiritual practices, there's a two-step process. You renounce things, and then you pick up the spiritual. right? But in bhakti yoga, just by picking up the spiritual, you naturally renounce. You naturally don't hold on to the other things. So it's just a symptom of as we advance um, uh, our, our eye on eternity and our eye on 
really trying to understand who am I and what is the purpose of life um, becomes more in focus. And then these other things become like, eh. Does that make sense? So, some, so you know, it, it's, uh, it's a very individual thing, your question, about how one wants to progress. But sometimes, you know, people try to give up everything. You know, I'm not going to watch anymore. I'm not going to do it. And uh, because they don't have a strong spiritual taste, they're kind of like in this weird space. So, but it's really an individual thing um, that each person has a relationship with Krishna. And, but it is the, the oh, so I hope the uh, purport of all this rambling that I'm saying is let's try to uh, spend more time focusing on Krishna. Is that all right? Thank you. Good question. Other comments, questions? Yes, Andy? About this uh, meditation. What uh, meditation? Well, the intensity of meditation, oh, yeah. like okay. you meditate on the feet of... Yeah. But don't you think it's, it's kind of an add-on to what he said. It's indirect. What's indirect? Meditation? Good meditation. You can't just say, I'm going to have very good intense meditation. Right. It's a combination of what other things that you're not doing at the time, right? So maybe you turn off the game or something just unexpectedly and want to chant, then... It's more indirect than, than direct, don't you think? Having really good quality meditation. You can't just say, I'm going to, okay, five minutes from now, I'm going to have some really good quality, very intense meditation. Right. Well, we can say five minutes ago, I'm going to really try to meditate on Krishna's name nicely. And let's see what mercy he gives me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But right. you can't just say, I'm going to do it. It's right. Very in, it's kind of an indirect thing. But the, yes. And also to answer your question, there does come a time if somebody wishes to, that they take, uh, that they take diksha, they take initiation from a bona fide spiritual master. And then they, uh, they promise to really turn up the heat on the spiritual and, and promise to avoid um, eat meat, fish, or eggs, uh, sex outside of marriage, uh, gambling, and intoxication. Because those four things are the... Play, the, the uh, they are the... Uh, if you're going on a boat across the river, they're the anchors that don't let you get very far. <laughs> like that. So, um, so the, yes, there is. So if a person was really, really serious and they said, I really want to just, I just, and I would say, listen, you really should follow these four root principles and, you know, you know the, forget about the World Series and all that. But it really is depending on where a person is at. Would you agree, David Prosser? Yeah? You have any comments on that? Yeah, I think, I think you said it nicely. The, the, the goal is to be thinking of Krishna. We could ask ourselves this. Would, do we want Krishna to think of us one day a week? Or one hour a day? Or do, would we be happy if Krishna thought of us all the time? How nice. <laughs> so if we want Krishna to think of us all the time, we have to think of Krishna all the time. And if he's not important because something else is more important, well, then Krishna's got other things to do. He doesn't need to think about us. <laughs> So that's the goal, is to establish that 100% relationship where we're always thinking of him, he's always thinking of us. And then the soul, then we're happy. Very nice. Very nice. Nicely said, Prabhu. Thank you. Okay, shall we carry on? How much time do we have? We still have time. Um, so we're on 57, is that right? Okay, so now, that, remember we were talking about two things. It talks about Krish, um, the process and devotee association. 
if one by chance associates with a devotee, even for a fraction of a moment, he no longer is subject to attraction by the results of karma or jnana. What interest then can he have in the benedictions of the demigods which are subject to the laws of birth and death? So this is that point about Krishna consciousness is caught as much as it's taught. And it's also said that, you know, that uh, the uh, one-eleventh of a second is enough time for, uh, what is it, for the bhakti lata beach to be implanted in the heart. My dear Lord, your lotus feet are the cause of all auspicious things and the destroyer of all the contamination of sin. I therefore beg your lordship to bless me by the association of your devotees who are completely purified by worshiping your lotus feet and who are so merciful upon the conditioned souls. I think that your real benediction will be to allow me to associate with such devotees. So like I said, that's how you can really tell you're getting Krishna's mercy when you get the association of his devotees. Right? Um, because association devotees mean we talk about Krishna, we, we exchange, uh, our, we reveal our minds to one another, and we encourage each other. Even if it's not the topmost devotee, we still, wherever we're at, we encourage each other to, uh, to make progress in spiritual life. And, to, uh, um, and by serving a devotee, mahat sevam dwaram ahuravimuktes, dwaram yoshita sangi sangam, that, that, that you know, it, we just know that the real way to get Krishna's, well, there's so many real ways, but one of the real ways to get Krishna's mercy is to really satisfy Krishna's devotee. So that's a real focus for us. The devotee whose heart has been completely cleansed by the process of devotional service and who is favored by Bhakti Devi does not become bewildered by the external energy, which is just like a dark well. Being completely cleansed of all material contamination in this way, a devotee is able to understand very happily your name, fame, form, activities, etc. So here, it's, um, Prabhupada writes that um, the bhakti yoga process must be carried out by avoiding the 10 offenses one can commit while chanting the maha mantra and the 64 offenses one can commit while worshipping the deity. When a devotee strictly follows the rules and regulations, bhakti devi becomes very much satisfied with him. And at that time, he is never disturbed by anything external. A devotee is always a muni. The word muni means thoughtful. And this is one of the famous lines in Prabhupada's books. A devotee is as thoughtful as a non-devotee is speculative. Right? The non-devotee's speculation is impure, but a devotee's thoughts are pure. Lord Kapila and Sukadev Goswami are also called muni, and Vyasadev is addressed as maha muni. A devotee is addressed as muni, or thoughtful, when he purely understands the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The conclusion is that when one's heart is purified by the association of devotees and by the avoidance of offenses committed while chanting and worshiping the Lord, the transcendental name, form, activities of the Lord are revealed by the Lord. So I was, I was thinking about this word strictly. It says here a devotee strictly follows the rules and regulations because sometimes... I, it, I, to me, at least, it conjures up this kind of like, you know, gritting my teeth, and, you know, kind of thing. Uh, 
And I don't think that's exactly, exactly what we're looking for. Um, first of all, here, the strictly is the, the, uh, the rules and regulations, meaning the uh, nine items of bhakti, shravanam, kirtanam, vishnu, smarnam. Right, so that's not like, you know, you know it's like, uh, what did I, I heard? Uh, when we're chanting, and we want to be, you know, in mode of goodness and beyond the mode of goodness, right? So we shouldn't be passionate about being in goodness. Does that make sense? <laughs> right? And, and I think we find when we're chanting, yes, we're really trying to be attentive when the mind wanders, we're bringing it back. But there's also this kind of allowing the, the mantra to carry us. Right? Maharaj talks about that, right? Sachinanda Maharaj. Uh, and, and kind of going with the flow of the mantra. And that's a little different than... You know, like that kind of thing. Um, so, strictly following means you know, giving our, a heart and a half, giving our heart to when we're chanting, to when we're hearing, when we're serving the devotees, when we're seeing the deities. It's not so much this kind of gritting teeth kind of you know uh, use of the word strict, but it means you know really dedicating ourselves with devotion to to, um, to following the rules and regulations and to follow well. The four rules and regulations, but also the the uh, punch the the nine items of bhakti, because it says then bhakti Devi becomes very satisfied with him. So, any thoughts on that before we go to the other point about thoughtful and speculative? Any thoughts on strict? Okay, Andy. Well, where does austerity figure in? Because that always seems kind of like austerity. Well, did anyone know that verse? The one that, uh, uh, if you remember Krishna, what's the use of austerities? And if you forget Krishna, what's the use of austerities? Anyone know that? <laughs> it's my favorite verse. <laughs> no. But, yeah, so austerities uh, should soften the heart. Right? So not harden the heart. So our, so our, our austerities, and we have to be maybe a little wor you, uh, careful with that word, because you know, austere sometimes, again, comes with that kind of gritting teeth kind of thing. But like our austerities um, are focused on pleasing Krishna. So just like ekadasi, right, or, or fasting on, you know, the, the days of fasting. Uh, yes, there's some austerity of the body, but the idea is that there's more time to hear and chant about Krishna, Right? Even Prabhupada once told a devotee that, uh, you know, if, you're, if all you're doing is thinking about eating on a kadasi, have some, have some, take a little prasadam and get back to thinking about Krishna. Now, you know, we, we, sometimes our mind just uses that as an excuse. And I think anyone who's had the experience, if you do fast on a kadasis, uh, the first one or two, you may get some headaches and stuff, but actually it gets very easy after a while. Your body gets used to it, but that, that's another thing. So we want to perform our... Uh, our austerities in the mood of uh, doing them as an offering to Krishna. So even so, some of us, I don't know if any of you are, what vows you have for Kartik. Some people do things like give up sweets and, or, you know, so, or whatever, eat once a day or, you know, different, different devotees take on different things. Um, but all that, again, should be, you know, offering, look, Krishna, I really like sweets. I'm offering you this austerity as, you know, as a way to, uh, you know, for your pleasure uh, this month. Right, but really the austerities is to increase, you know, hearing and chanting and things like that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's different than because um, 
Actually, austerities can make us hard-hearted if we're not careful. And one of the, that's why the other thing, uh, speaking about Kartik Bratz, is usually we don't advertise whatever vows we, or austerities we are performing. Because that's also kind of like defeats the purpose of doing them. Because <laughs> right? if you become proud of being austere, that's not such a great thing to do. Some thoughts on austerity? Or? Yes, Mahamad. Coming to this class, I'm sure, is austere for you. Listening to me for so long. Today. <laughs> um, either during this devotional service or austerities, but there is one beautiful factor that Krishna's reciprocation, he is, mm. you know, that is promising, actually. Um, it's not like one way. I'm listening, yes. One-sided. Um, but we do get the reciprocation and uh, that happiness surpasses all the little struggles we go through in this. Mm. <laughs> yeah, nice. I just, uh, go uh, not Googled, but in, in Vedabase looked up the two words, severe austerities. So the first one is in the fourth chapter of the Gita and it's clearly about yogis. Um, and then in the 17th chapter, those who undergo severe austerities not recommended in the Vedas, right? Um, yes, and then all, this is in the first canto, second chapter, all fruitive activities are ultimately rewarded by him only. He is supreme knowledge and all severe austerities are performed to know him. And we're not going to go through all of them because there's 705 hits. <laughs> Well, it'll take a while, yes. Um, Krishna agreed to become the son of Vasudeva and Devaki upon being pleased with their severe austerities. Therefore, if any austerities are to be done, they must be done to achieve the end of knowledge, Vasudeva. So we don't just do them for... And there's a description of the different austerities and the different modes of material nature in the Gita as well, right? Yeah, and so like... Uh, Fasting, you know, going on a fast for political reasons, for example, is not in the mode of goodness, right? Like that. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, and then, then the other point here was this: uh, a devotee is as thoughtful as a non-devotee is speculative. So a devotee's, we bait, you know, shastra chakshus. We see through the eyes of scripture, and then we try to understand scripture as opposed to trying to understand the world devoid of Scripture and just try to figure stuff out on our own. That's speculative. But a devotee hears the Scriptures and says, hmm, I wonder how that works and tries to understand it. Uh, or how does that apply to a modern-day situation? That's another way of being thoughtful. Like all this instruction should, uh, should come into our life. Well, what instructions? I mean, uh, the purpose of austerity or purpose yeah. of devotional service, why we are doing it. Um, and then, like any the Shastra injunctions, and then the application becomes easier and uh, it becomes a second nature. Mm -hmm. um, 
But otherwise, then, if we are on the speculative mind, speculative state, like, they remain theory. Yeah. Yeah, so for a devotee, I mean, in one say, at least in ancient times, you know, sages, they wouldn't open, devotee sages, they wouldn't open their mouth that they weren't, re, you know, um, uh, referring to something to Shastra. So for us, it's quite easy, right? There's because there's this vast Vedic literature, but we really have to study the Bhagavatam primarily. Uh, and that's within our grasp. Like we said, right, 41 pages a day, you read it in a year, right? Um, and it's so wonderful. It's so, so full of, uh, I mean, even like today, right? You know, here the Prachetas just walking along and then they run into Lord Shiva and they get through all this. What did we hear today? We heard about Krishna's beauty, Krishna's, uh, you know, his dress and, and, and how the process to approach him and, then, and how associating with his devotees. You know, we got that all in one, in like uh, 20 verses. Yeah. So we'll read a little bit more. And then that's, uh, we're almost done for the day. My dear Lord, the impersonal Brahman spreads everywhere, like the sunshine or the sky. And that impersonal Brahman, which spreads throughout the universe, and in which the entire universe is manifest, is you. So that's, the Gita says, Brahmanohi Pratishtaham. That Krishna is the base, the, the source of the impersonal. My dear Lord, you have manifold energies, and these energies are manifest in manifold forms. With such energies, you have also created this cosmic manifestation. And although you maintain it as if it were permanent, you ultimately annihilate it. Although you are never disturbed by such changes and alterations, the living entities are disturbed by them, and therefore they find the cosmic manifestation to be different or separated from you. My Lord, you are always independent, and I can clearly see this fact. So that is a very advanced OT's vision that they see everything ultimately as coming from Krishna. So whether the Astros win or the Nationals win, they say, Krishna. <laughs> as an example. <laughs> My dear Lord, um, your universal form consists of all five elements, the senses, oh wait, now this is a different um, section, isn't it? Yes, the relationship, so from verse 60 to 68, is the relationship between Krishna and the material creation. Okay? So that's what we're hearing now. We're hearing about, we went from, you know, Krishna's beauty and, and his garments and all that, now to his universal form. Your universal form consists of all five elements, the senses, mind, intelligence, false ego, which is material, and the paramatma, your partial expansion, which, who is the director of everything. Yogis, other than the devotees, namely the karma yogis and jnana yogi, worship you by their respective actions in their respective positions. It is stated both in the Vedas and in the Shastras that our corollaries of the, corollaries of the Vedas and indeed everywhere that it is only you who are to be worshipped. That is the expert version of the Vedas. So... Let's see. Why don't we end there? So there will be class next week. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm going to New Brindavan on Friday and Saturday, but I'll be back Saturday night. So we have, uh, there's a GBC college in New Brindavan, that, and I'll be teaching there on Friday and Saturday. So it's nice to be back. 
right? At least we're going for a few weeks, and I go back to India around uh, Thanksgiving for just for ten days. Um, and uh, we'll send out the homework assignment for next week. And today is a very special day. What day is today? Diwali. So uh, it's a good day to uh, for so many things. Make sure you don't burn down your house if you're going to put candles uh, <laughs> out uh, everywhere. <laughs> but it's a nice time. Also, sometimes uh, people on Diwali, just like in, in the, the new year in America, right? they, they uh, kind of think back in their life the last year and think, make plans for uh, the, the upcoming year and uh, give sweets to one another. It's not a good day for the diabetics, but besides that, it's... Uh, What's that? Unless the sweets are made with monk fruit sugar. Monk fruit sugar, yes. And then tomorrow is... Oh, and then we have a very special program today for the Sunday program. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. But it's a very special program. Yeah, yes, very special. Um, and then tomorrow, unfortunately, I won't be here. I'll be in New Orleans. But uh, such a wonderful... Like the best festival of the year because you don't have to fast at all. Right? And only, only feasting for Govardhan Puja. So that's, uh, that's, that's tomorrow. And then on Thursday is a very solemn day. It's the disappearance day of Srila Prabhupada. And we'll have a program here in the evening in the, uh, in the temple for that. So it's a, it's a, you know, in one sense it's festive in the sense that Prabhupada went back to Krishna. Uh, but we lost his association. So bittersweet. Um, and so please uh, be very present at 1 o'clock today for this amazing event. The first time in the Western world, the Viscon, that we're doing this. The, uh, yeah. And uh, Hare Krishna, we'll see you. See, uh, I'm going to New Orleans, so we'll see y'all next week. Okay? <laughs> Hare Krishna. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We have Balaji Mahaprasadam here that I brought from Tirupati. So please come and get some Mahaprasadam. This is all powerful. Usually your right hand, usually. Oh, that's right. Jai Balaji Maharaj. So we're good for it today? Balaji from uh, Tirupati. Oh, yeah. Oh, you did? Five minutes and then you <laughs> oh, nice.
I was exhausted after about the thousandth step. I just turned <laughs> I was just not in, it was just an indication of how bad a shape I'm in. But you, oh, you didn't get the VIP darshan though. Did you get that? You didn't have darshan at Balaji, the, the deity. Did you stay at the temple there? Yeah, nice, nice temple.
peaceful austerity because the lack of austerity could harden your heart. The lack of any austerity is not reduced softening. Yeah, that's the bad kind of condition. I mean, you need to exercise. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Everybody knows me. So, I heard something today uh, so wonderful by Sachinandan Maharaj's one-liners. He says, Krishna is eagerly awaiting for each one of our association. We uh, always, we take association as like, we want to be in the association, we want to get their association. But it's, it, this is the Krishna's desire, like he is like, he wants to have each and every one of our association. And he is eagerly waiting for that. And the best medium is through his holy name. We can, you know, be available to Krishna. And let us see what he wants to manifest in our hearts. So, please, from the bead one onwards, try to focus your attention in this relationship, in this ever-present relationship, just to please him. Results and all, it's up to him. We just want to be in this relationship. And we want to express that our sincerity through this, in this relationship through our trial, our attempt to chant sincerely. Thank you very much. Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Sri Vasadi Gaura Bhakta Brinda. Do you need a bead, Mataji? Okay. Thank you very much. So now we chant the Hare Krishna mantra with full attention. I'm, ho I'm hoping everybody knows the mantra, right? Hare Krishna.
Hare 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 Hare